Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you, get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to a longtime friend of mine, Adam Kohlberg. Adam works at Pop Culture Classroom up in Denver, Colorado, and they are committed to inserting pop culture material such as comics, graphic novels, board games, etc., into the classroom for students to have greater learning opportunities. Adam and I not only get a chance to catch up, which is great for me, but we also talk about the work that he's been doing with Pop Culture Classroom, how we as a society can unlock greater learning potential for ourselves, and maybe what the future state of education can look like. So we talk about a lot of those things. And I just got to say, it was, you know, often on this podcast, I get a chance to talk to all kinds of different people, and it's fantastic. But I really enjoy the episodes where I get to catch up with old friends, get an excuse to talk about what they're doing that is super important, impactful work, and then get a chance to just have a great conversation. You know, I'm all about sharing stories, having good conversations, and trying to make the world a more inclusive place. And it's exciting to find out that a guy that I knew in seventh grade, a guy that I knew in high school, he and I are both working on the same mission of making a more inclusive world, doing it in our own individual ways, but contributing to a higher purpose. And I love that. I think it's fantastic. And I'm excited for you, the listener, to listen to this episode. And I thank you again for coming back to another episode of this podcast. And I want to say... If you do like what you hear, you do like this podcast, please subscribe. Subscribe wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Overcast, whatever you're using. Feel free to subscribe, tell a friend, share the episode, share the podcast, whatever you want to do. Really helps us out and it helps build this larger community that we're working towards. Takes two seconds for you, means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. But stick around. My conversation with Adam will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family. Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is one of my oldest and dearest friends, Adam Kohlberg. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I Good it, to see you. It is great to see you. It has been way too long. Way, way, way too long. But if anybody is long. wondering, I have had older friends on the podcast before, but Adam predates all of them because I have known him since we were in uh, grade school and then junior high and growing up all those times. So you, you gr- got... Well, we're getting old, so I was going to say you grandfathered in, but uh, we're not quite there yet, but we're close. We're close, but Adam, (laughs) I'm super excited to have you on the show today. We're going to talk about a lot of great stuff, but I do like to start the podcast by asking a question to really level set. So here at the Detox Podcast, we are a culture and conversation podcast. We invite people to detox from their life just for 45 minutes, 
one hour, however long the episodes are, and really just relax, get a window into how other people live their lives, use it to make their life better and have a more inclusive outlook on the world. So Adam, I like to ask my guests, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh man. Um, can I say like the whole last 10 months? I think that would probably just be the cop out, right? Um, (laughs) I, I think I'm detoxing currently, um, just from entering into 2021. And I think we all entered into 2021 with sort of this hope that the, the clouds would part, the sky would clear, you know, we would hear some angels singing in front of us and things like that. Um, but I, I think that, you know, 2021 has continued to kind of like show us that this is not over and we're still kind of churning through some of this, uh, some of this COVID related stuff and all the impacts of it. So I am trying to detox from the, from that idea of like, the light at the end of the tunnel might be a little farther out, but I'm trying to keep it in sight. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are in February. It's only been one month uh, since the year started, and it already feels like we've crammed about six months worth of 2020 into one month of 2021. So I don't, I don't know what is happening with the the karmic balance of the universe, but I'd like it to slow down um, and yes. and even itself out because this is quite frankly, ridiculous. Um, but, but I say that in, in slight, slight jest, because I am aware that I am fortunate in to be employed and for my family to be happy and healthy and not a lot of others have that opportunity. So I, uh, while I jest, I also am remembering of others who are going through a different struggle in a different time. So we recognize that and, uh, and we acknowledge that. And as we're, as we're kind of moving forward, um, you know, I do want to make sure that folks are aware that today's sponsor of the podcast is Snuffy. So Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at Snuffy.co. That's Snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. The owner and operator of Snuffy is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri. He designed the Detox Podcast logo. So if you like it, you want to go support him, go check it out, Snuffy.co. Now, Adam, I am, I, I, it's interesting to me because you had posted around, I think it was, uh, is it North Texas Giving Day only, or is it like now international, like National Giving Day? I, I forget, but I saw you post about Pop Culture Classroom, which is what we're here to talk about. And I saw you post about it to remind folks to give to nonprofits. And if you want to support a specific nonprofit or endeavor, Pop Culture Classroom is one they should consider. And I reached out and I said, hey, I was not aware that this was, uh, this is your work. And I think it's fantastic. It's incredible. Be a great fit for the podcast. So I just want to back up and have you kind of give a, walk us through sort of what Pop Culture Classroom is big picture. And then we can dive into a couple specifics. Yeah, um, great. And I think it is National Giving Tuesday. That's just right. Just for clarity. We yes. have Colorado Gives Day here. Um, I didn't realize there was, I, I know they all have different names across the country. Right. It's like but, North uh, Texas Giving Day here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the second Tuesday of December. Yes. Don't quote me on that though. Um, but yeah, so um, we, yeah, I put out a post, you know, just kind of saying that we're, uh, as many organizations are right now facing some difficult times uh, related to kind of the impact of the pandemic. Uh, and, and, you know, our organization is pretty unique. Uh, we are a arts education focused organization, uh, but we use kind of a, a unique approach in that we sort of focus on pop culture as a way to engage with students, engage with educators and engage with parents. Uh, the idea being that, you know, pop culture based education, pop culture based educational tools can kind of provide that gateway, that bridge that students might need to engage with sort of uh, whatever they might be doing in the classroom or outside of the classroom, whether that be like, you know, showing leadership skills or building critical thinking skills or engaging with their community and, and finding causes to be passionate about. Um, and so we try and kind of show how pop culture has that really important value as um, this tool to use with those students, but also that, it, that it's more, it's deeper, it's broader, it has more you know, interesting depths to explore than I think people give it credit for. And so our organization kind of explores that through a bunch of different programs, initiatives, um, and, you know, events, and we just try and kind of provide what we see as like a family friendly, 
um, educator-friendly, kid-friendly access to pop culture that everyone knows and loves and we all nerd out about, but um, kind of giving that little deeper dive into it as we go along. I think it's, when I think about the times in school where I was the most engaged, it was definitely driven from a familiarity with the subject uh, matter so either so I got my undergrad degree in theater and obviously I was very jazzed about anything that was theater related but when I'm thinking about my core credit classes or anything in general if we tied it to if there was a learning tied to something that I was equally familiar with I was instantly more engaged so an example you know in one of my English classes um, my professor wanted us to write a specific paper on something that was meaningful to us. Well, I did theater, so I, I was obsessed with Rent at the time, the music musical Rent. So I wrote my entire paper on this deep dive on Rent, and everybody else was doing novels and, you know, typical typical matter that you would write a paper on, right? And here I am with this Broadway pl play Rent, and uh, my professor didn't bat an eye, and he was like, well, you know, if you're exploring it from a, this type of lens as opposed to a novel lens, this might be a different perspective you want to take. And he really, he, you know, he didn't question the subject matter. He didn't question the resource I was using, and he gave me a better frame with which to approach my, my learning. And I, think, and I think about when you've got, you know, materials such as like the graphic novel teaching guide, right? Uh, it immediately makes me think about the Boy Meets World episode where Jonathan Turner, the cool English teacher, uses um, an X-Men comic and compares it with like a Shakespeare play or, or another novel to like get the point across that the themes are the same and there's deeper learnings and he captivates the student's attention. So I'm interested about what has been a lot of the uh, responses to or from the students as they're using this type, as they're being taught this type of curriculum? Yeah, um, so really there's there's a bunch of different ways that I think students come to the table and, and bring their best selves. Really, you know, we have this idea of the cool factor. I think that's right. our biggest sell, right? So we're using X-Men, we're using, uh, you know, Watchmen graphic novels in the classroom. We're connecting them to classic literature, but also to timely issues that are happening, you know, related to whether it be like politics, economy, culture. Um, so there's that cool factor, I think, and that and that immediate um, access uh, that comics usually give to kind of that larger world that's happening outside the walls of the classroom. Right. Um, because they do speak into kind of things that students have on their minds, that they're worried about, that they're concerned with. Um, in a way that I think feels a little less intimidating, a little more inviting, which is another piece that we talk about a lot. It's just this welcoming of a comic book. You look at a comic book, you look at a board game and invites you in, right? right? I think we've all the experience where, you know, someone puts, you know, uh, let's not to, to cast aspersions on like, uh, I don't know, uh, a classic literature text or like right. a, a very complex Shakespeare book, you know, right. that can be a really intimidating thing to pick up for a lot of students. And so, to tell them that there's value in, in what they're excited about at home and that they can bring that into the classroom and, and uh, bring these texts and be excited about them, but also that their teachers can be on board with using them as a way to kind of prop up like larger learning objectives. Right. I think those are really great ways to kind of, um, what we've seen with students and kind of classroom spaces. Um, I think comics and board games and other pop culture are also really unique because they, um, they engage like they have a, a entry point for all different types mm -hmm. of learners. Um, I think your point, you know, you you talked about having a reference point for Boy Meets World, which is one aspect of pop culture, yeah. which is referencing another right. that related back to another aspect of pop culture. <laughs> so our brains are kind of hardwired around pop culture. It yeah. is not we, we call it pop culture, but really what it is is it's culture. It yeah. forms the world around us. You look at like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, you look at like recent releases that have come out. Uh, you look at like the Game of Thrones kind of like world that was created around that. Um, and, and it's something that saturates kind of everything we do. So people not only have a point of entry because they know these characters, they like these characters, they're excited to learn more about them. But, you know, these types of um, whether it's a show, a board game or a comic, they have like, you know, there's listening, there's watching, there's reading often. And so a lot of students find them to be a lot more accessible because they do offer different ways for different students at all different levels of backgrounds to be involved and to see themselves showing up 
in those texts. You know, we all have an X-Men character we associate with. We all have a favorite superhero. Right. We all have a favorite comedic show or uh, a character from that show. And if you go to any fan convention or even in, in a classroom setting, what you see is, is student relationships begin to build and open up around those properties. So like, whereas I can't, you know, me and you talking about like, let's say the awakening, um, you know, or like, you know, Grapes of Wrath, it's not something that's going to maybe bring us together. If we we're just going to nerd out over whether Superman or Batman would win a fight and start talking about like the physics of it and like the moral morality of it and whether Gotham was actually needing a Batman or maybe he could have put his money, maybe put his money into the mix as opposed to driving a giant Driving Batmobile around the city and destroying everything. Right. Let, maybe um, let's I mean, fund some programs and some infrastructure repairs. Yeah. Right. Billionaire, <laughs> just like dressing up at night, driving around the city, destroying <laughs> buildings and shooting missiles into like, right. you know, park cars. That's fine. I, I don't know if that's heroic, but that's the debate. Right. Yep. And so these things just open up those conversations. They're inviting They're It's a welcoming space. Uh, there's ways for everyone to get involved and um, there's always something out there in pop culture that you can bring in and connect with um, yeah. something that's happening in the classroom. There's never a lack of opportunity. I mean, I think that's something that, that we try and really emphasize to teachers is just because you're not getting it right with this model or this approach, there's so many more things that you can bring in that all kind of underlie these efforts of like helping students engage or helping them kind of be involved in their communities or whatever they might be doing. Sure. You know, you bring up a good point about Batman. I love myself some Batman. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I was really struck when someone wrote a paper about, say a paper, it was probably an article in like the Atlantic or something, but it feels like a paper sometimes, um, about how nobody has pointed out the fact that Batman recruits orphans as child soldiers into his war on crime. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> No one's talking about that. And then I was like, There's a, uh... a lot of gray area in the Batman world. Right. I, think, right. I, I think that's what makes him a really interesting character. Yeah. And something that people are drawn to is like his flaw is really the core of is that he continues to go down this road right. as Batman and seek out this sort of redemption through something that is so obviously needing to happen from his Bruce Wayne demeanor, like right. his Bruce Wayne persona. And he has this, all this money and stuff, but instead he's buying like flying Batmobiles, which is cool. Again, it makes right. for good storytelling, but, but yeah. the moral equivalency there is a bit, a bit tough. It's true. Yeah. But, but to your point, it got me thinking and arguing in, in ways it, that I'd never considered before, which led me to look up, you know, other historical works about like, what are examples of this type of recruitment in, in certain war-torn countries over the world? What does that historically look like? What has been the pattern? And it led me down a path where I was learning a lot about history and about geography and about culture that I wouldn't have if someone hadn't just written that opinion piece. Um, and I think that's the core of what you're getting at is we're using these tools, these pop culture anchor points in a kid's development and, and understanding to draw in larger learning principles and theories, which when you're already open to, when your mind is already open to the concept of learning, whatever it is, physics, history, geography, politics, if you're already open because you're talking about something that is incredible, I just watched I know it's a couple of years past, but I just watched the Watchmen miniseries on HBO. And there's so mm -hmm. many cultural um, touch points in there, like the the massacre in Tulsa in the 20s that I wasn't aware of until I'd seen that show, that it gave me a deep dive into what was going on in Tulsa, Oklahoma during that period of time. And so I say all that because my brain was already stimulated from the pop culture, as you're talking about, right? And then because of that, I wanted to learn more. And I had this almost unquenchable thirst for knowledge that I, if someone had just been like, all right, we're going to learn about the twenties. We're going to learn about Tulsa. We're going to learn about uh, what happened. I'm like, if you like, I don't want to sit down for a lesson about 1920s Tulsa, Oklahoma, but if you frame it with the anchor point of pop culture, now I'm interested and I want to learn more. And I think that's, that's the entire point. So what has been some of the what has been some of the 
um, struggles or maybe not necessarily struggles, but learnings and, and obstacles you had to overcome to improve and, and reiterate over time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of buy-in um, from schools, administrators, teachers, this idea that pop culture is fluff, that pop culture is external. Um, you know, we try and kind of challenge that idea and say that, no, like what these kids consider to be unique and interesting and cool at home is something that not only can create educational opportunities in the classroom, but create trust, create relationships. And I think that that's something that we don't think about as much when we talk about working with students in schools um, is that idea of, you know, the best way that they learn is often because they have a baseline sense of trust. They know that these people recognize where they're coming from, what they're going through, the things that they like, they love, they're interested in, and they're speaking into that in a way that um, allows them to kind of take that leap. I talk about it a lot, like you can build the bridge, the student isn't necessarily always going to walk across it, Sometimes you're going to have to meet them in the middle and sometimes you have to go all the way across and, and help them kind of guide them over. But if we don't build those bridges, the, the students are on the other side of the ravine and we can't get access to them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been one. And really the other struggles are just like, we're building models that really, and I'm not going to say they aren't out there. I think a lot of teachers and a lot of educators have built comic book curricula game design curricula over the years, but trying to professionalize those to create a common core connection to them, uh, really legitimize and professionalize them. It's a struggle not necessarily on the end of doing that work because they do align so much with learning objectives with, with common core requirements. It's getting that sense uh, across to these educators and administrators that we work with um, in order for them to see that Again, these are not fluff, these are not external, these are things that not only can we implement in the classroom to connect to larger ideas and objectives, but we can actually create like a really comprehensive, cohesive course that actually uses comics or board games or pop culture to um, help students engage with like civics or economics, physics. So this idea that, that, that comics or board games are locked into this one world of content, this one way of use is something that we kind of struggle with across the board. Um, and so that's been definitely the biggest struggle. And I think just kind of continuing our advocacy efforts and showing the value and the impact of these things as they relate to students um, has been kind of our biggest objective um, as an educational approach. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an interesting point that you bring up about, tying it back into a lot of these common core learnings and curriculum. So I had two thoughts there. One, more of an observation in that what I'm noticing in the business or the corporate world is a greater emphasis, which is different than I think when we graduated college, but is a greater emphasis on liberal arts majors or liberal arts focused students, this idea of a well-rounded and balanced education where you're bringing in a lot of learnings from the arts or from science into whatever work that you're going into. So it's less an idea of this, I'm going to be a, a subject matter expert and graduate with a degree in this specific field. Obviously, that still applies depending on what you're doing. But for the broad business uh, sector, this idea that they want a worker who has deep ties in a variety of areas and then can draw on learnings from, say, pop culture or the arts to influence or inform whatever project or business that they're trying to improve upon, as opposed to only getting the same crop of accountants, the same crop of marketing managers, the same crop of folks all in the door, but really start to thinking about things in different ways. So I think to your point, this ties right in there. It's laying the foundation for folks to have broad-based learnings um, that they can draw on as they progress throughout life. And then the question with that then would be, I know in Texas, right, there's a lot of teaching to the test about mm -hmm. the standardized test, right? And so I don't know what it's like in Colorado, but I guess, first of all, is that even a, an obstacle uh, that you have to overcome? And then two, if it is, or maybe if, and if it's not, how how would you approach that when, when teachers are trying to balance making sure that their students are ready to pass the test to get from one grade to the next, but still understanding the, the basic concepts of all the material they're teaching? Yeah. Um, well, to speak to your first point, um, that well-roundedness, I think that that's something you hear even in, like, I think about sports. I mm. think about yeah. 
the idea that most coaches will tell you that if a student grows up playing one sport or doing one way of, of that sport, then they're limiting themselves. It's kind of that muscle memory thing, right? So right. if you're overusing or overtaxing one muscle, not only are you going to like create like issues and problems um, for the future, but you're also going to like, you're going to exhaust the excitement and energy around that sport. And I think that's the same with content, you know, like when we talk about bringing comics into the classroom, bringing arts into the classroom, board games, the idea is, is that these soft skills, I'm using air quotes right. uh, as they're called, um, are really the things that drive student success in the future, yeah. that gives them the professional, uh, I wouldn't say that helps helps them choose and seek out a profession. And that's one of our goals too, is to help show them that careers are not necessarily this one track where like I have to go through these, I have to hit these milestones to get to the final career that I want, which is going to be XYZ. But this idea that careers in the arts still exist, people continue to make money being purely artists, purely writers, purely creators, right. and that you don't have to kind of limit yourself to this idea that, you know, if I don't come out of my four-year college with a business degree ready to go into this corporate world, that I'm going to be a failure. Right. Um, and so we try and give them access to comic artists and stuff, but also kind of show them that the process of creating these things, it's not it's something that takes years to develop the skills to do, but it's not out of, out of reality for them. That's something that's out of touch. Um, so that was my answer to your first piece. What was your second? The second one questions? is the standardized testing. So does Colorado have that, that you're working with? And if, and, and regardless of whether they are or not, how would you approach that with teachers that are focused on that? Yeah. I mean, we have the same struggles. Okay. Um, we have standardized testing as a pretty big, um, I wouldn't say it's just having grown up in Texas and not knowing exactly what the landscape looks like now, but, but my experience was that it was very much focused on the test in Texas. Yep. And I would, I would guess that Colorado is not as far, um, in that vein as maybe Texas is and sort of that, that structure of teaching. Um, what I would say is where we see that intersect with our, work is that actually the spring, which is typically testing time, becomes a time when we are asked to come in often as like relief pitchers. Mm. Like kids need to have fun in the classroom. And, and what we try and kind of push back on this idea is that no, no, standardized testing can actually be connected to these topics, these trends, these pop culture. It's just about the intentionality, the how of doing that, that we can help kind of support. And so, um, you know, when we're working with parents or educators, again, we're trying to say that maybe, maybe your students completely burnt out right. from doing this testing stuff and handing them a comic or playing a board game with them when they're supposed to potentially be doing homework or doing X, Y, Z, it's not going to like disturb their entire progress. Right. It's actually, if you're if doing it with intentionality, uh, with resources, you know, it can actually help build into those objectives uh whatever your thoughts might be you know concerns around standardized testing the reality is they're here right and they're not going anywhere as far as i can tell anytime soon so it's it's kind of trying to emphasize that there's some creativity there's some pathways that you can kind of build into the, to meeting those goals um that not only kind of fuel the educational enrichment but actually feel like the student's excitement around actually taking on new subject, taking on new tasks. We talk about pop culture as often being like the spark that ignites the other big things that kind of people are doing in their lives, whether it be creativity, whether it be critical thinking, whether it be a specific content area or, you know, your example around Watchmen, like some people watch Watchmen just to enjoy the action. Some people watch Watchmen on HBO because they want to hear about this history of social injustice and right. uh, the lives of the people who are impacted by the Tulsa massacre. And some people really will study and deep dive into that and write research papers and propose and do, you know, all of that is accessible through this one show um, that's put together by, you know, hundreds of people who are all kind of coming from different careers in the arts. Um, and so, again, I think it's, it's kind of, basically that, that idea that they have many entry points into pop culture that can support whatever the parents or teachers are really trying to get them to accomplish. And I think in the time of standardized testing, 
it's more important than ever to kind of offer them, let's say off ramps that lead back into like right. on ramps, you know, right. something like that. Maybe that's the metaphor. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I was also thinking about the, the fact that, you know, there's two points there. It was, uh, man, I could, I just finished a book. I, I've got the book over here. I couldn't find the, the passage, but it's, uh, the Butterfly Effect by Marcus J. Moore. And he wrote about Kendrick Lamar and Kendrick Lamar's work on the the album To Pimp a Butterfly. And then also the, what the impact his work had on the Compton and the black community at large um, when he came up out of it. And then also talked about the fact that he won the Pulitzer Prize for his album, Damn. And the fact that it was that year that the Pulitzer uh, Committee decided to to expand the scope of what could cla- like qualify for a Pulitzer Prize nomination, and they said that this is a you know a work that is worthy of the Pulitzer Prize, and they got a lot of backlash because it was a a, a rap album, and they said no, if you look at it's about writing, and he wrote these verses, and this is the cultural impact that it had, and this is the literary impact that it had. And so there was a lot of interesting discussion and debate about, well, can this be considered lit- like a writing aspect that's worthy of a Pulitzer Prize or not because it's music? And so it absolutely should be, and it was rightly given the award. But, I, but you know, those are some interesting discussions and debates that you have when you pull pop culture stuff in like that. But then I was also thinking about the fact that you know, you're talking about games and, and the gateway towards larger learnings. I mean, my kids are, uh, well, my five-year-old's about to turn six. By the time this year, she'll be six. But my six and, and three-and-a-half-year-old are, when they're playing games, it says on the outside, this game teaches math. This game teaches critical thinking. This game teaches... Um, memory. I mean, you know, like all these different games we're playing are teaching are very clearly teaching different stuff. So I don't understand why, as we get older, we remove the idea that we're learning. Like if you're playing a resource management game, you're learning about distribution of resources in order to progress through the game. I don't know why we we as a society start to remove that concept of larger learning from play and only consider it as purely like slack off time or full studious time and not bridging the gap like you're talking about. I, it's it's an interesting introspection and I'm not quite sure why we as a society move away from that, truthfully. You know? Yeah, I don't know either. And I think I think it's this I think it's kind of this narrative around, you know, these this content as being like it's the thing that you do at home to kind of relax and have mm. fun. And and therefore it's not serious literature or it's not serious critical thinking. Right. And I think that, I think the, the zeitgeist is moving in the opposite direction. I think right. people are starting to, to pay attention to the fact that, um, you know, the new, the new kind of like, you know, people don't have around the television as much anymore. They have board games or they have video games that they play in online communities or in person. Um, you know, a lot of like, uh, literature is now trans- transcending to this graphic format. You know, you see a lot more diverse text, diverse content, diverse authors and artists. Um, and so I think what we we tend to do as a culture is look at the final product and say, oh, look at that, that's cool. And we, and we don't think about all the steps and the people and the skills that it took to get there. I think your example around the Kendrick Lamar was really poignant, um, but also... I was thinking about Black Panther, which yep. he did the album for as well. Yes. And I was thinking about like, when we look at Black Panther, it's a beautiful film. It, it's, it's somewhat formulaic, you know, as you know, most of those films are, but right. at the same time, it has a powerful message, powerful characters. Um, but you think about like all the work that went into the things that you don't think about, like the fact that the director went to Africa for months to study African cultures, to build what would be a Wakandan society that, what would it look like if Africa had not been sort of like, quote unquote, trampled by these these colonizers? What if they had had the ability to actually succeed without that interference and, yeah. and trying to build like that that side of things? And then you think about, um, you know, Chadwick Boseman and had the way he portrayed that character and how he became Black Panther. Like for a lot of kids that you talk to, especially, uh, you know, youth who are of color, like they associate Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther and right. he stands as a symbol and his loss, you know, depending on who you're talking to, again, that loss can be so surface level. Oh, this is a bummer. We lost Chadwick Boseman to, 
you know, losing an icon, a symbol of that identity, of that leadership and that community building. Right. Um, and so you think about the Kendrick Lamar, the director, you think about the, the costume designers, you think about the CGI people who made that vision come to life and all of them coming together to build a movie that on its surface seems to be pretty straightforward right. and is enjoyable. But what I, what I think people don't see with comics and board games and maybe what's been taught out of us is that complexity and depth. And I think what we try and do is kind of like, like uh, deconstruct the pie <laughs> to show like how it's, how all the different ingredients that went into it took time, skill, effort on, and, and the same type of training and excitement that we're hopefully bringing to kids in the classroom yep. to show them that like, you know, it's not out of reach to be involved in creating a film like Black Panther from a music side, yeah. from a visual side, from a directorial side, from an actor side, like, yeah. and, and there's so many opportunities to, to kind of, again, like celebrate those things, but also show how they have that breadth and depth that mm -hmm. I think people take for granted. Yep. Um, no, that's, so that's what I, well put. I think that's what people, people miss the most is, yeah. You look at a comic and you're like, I can never do that. That's just completely. And then you actually look at the process of creating it. You look at thumbnails, inks, colors, editors. Um, you look at, you know, final feedback. You look at all the people involved, hundreds of people who all are employed by this industry. But at the final product, you just, oh, there's two people involved in this. And man, they did a good job. You right. Know? I right. can never do this. So I don't think we look at like businesses like that. We no. don't look at, uh, you know, a lot of things like that. I think it's just because pop culture just feels like we're consumers. So we, consume. yes, yes. You know, it's a, it's an interesting point because it is, it is accurate. I mean, I got my undergrad degree in theater, as I mentioned earlier, and it was something where uh, for a while it was an idea of like, well, if you're not an actor, you failed with your degree or your plan, leaving out the aspect that there are directors, producers, writers, all of these different aspects that you talked about. And then in addition, I think about the fact that the skills in which I used, and I, I used to think this was a cop-out answer for the longest time. I used to. And then I recognized that the skills that I obtained while getting my undergrad, public speaking, project management, um, deadline deliverables, all of these different skills have fed into the work that I've been able to be successful in because of the foundation I received in theater. And then if you want to take it a step further from an artistic approach, I'm doing this podcast and I'm getting to utilize those skills as well. The the art of creating something, the, the structuring of the narrative or the story, the discussion, the execution, the technical aspect of editing and then releasing it, all of that goes into it. But I, But I think to your point, um, I was not trying for that to be a brag, although it sounded like a brag, but, but circling okay, back, brag away. it's your podcast, <laughs> right? I mean, you can do whatever you want, but circling back to that, I think you're right in that when we can look at pop culture, we do feel it's very consumable and it's easy to overlook whether it's the process or whether it's the story or whether it's the, the skills that we're getting we tend to separate it into leisure, relaxing buckets, or we're over here in a different setting learning. We're either learning or we're consuming, not realizing there's both. And mm -hmm. and I think that that is to a, to our detriment because when we start merging the two, as you're talking about doing with Pop Culture Classroom, it opens up our capacity for greater learning opportunities, which then improves us as an individual and the community at large. And then we're able to have some of these more deeper, complex conversations and are able to have it at all levels. You and I were talking about before we went on that sometimes it feels like there's a lot of conversations happening at a top level and not all the way through society. And I think it's because a lot of times when we have these conversations, whether it's about a, whether it's from this type of just student learning or making a more inclusive world perspective, we're thinking about like, well, we are down here at the bottom tier of individuals. We're just consuming. We can't really contribute to the larger conversation and that folks up at the top have, have lived and had the experience. And so they're contributing to the conversation, which is a flawed way of thinking. It's not a pyramid, right? Um, it's a, we are a flat community, 
instead of a tiered community, I'm like doing like a vertical and, and horizontal with my arms. But if mm-hmm. we have these conversations <laughs> and we're able to have them by tying in what we're all familiar with, these pop culture experiences, then we're able to have these broad-based conversations and learnings at all levels, which then improves our ability to work together, to collaborate and make a more inclusive world. I love it. I think it's fantastic. As we're getting ready to wrap and head into the final two segments, one question I want to pose to you is how can people get involved with your work? If they're listening and they want to get involved, uh, we'll talk about social media and all that later, but I want to know, like if people want to actively get involved with pop culture classroom, what, what would you encourage them to do? There's so many different ways, um, but I will, I will give a quick, but, but hopefully easy to follow list. Um, So we're a 501c3 nonprofit, there we go, uh, based out of Denver, which I forgot to mention at the beginning. Um, So uh, there's, if you go on our website, which is popcultureclassroom.org, we have digital resources available. So we have educational comics, uh, which you can download that are about significant events, places, and people uh, across history, Uh, both ones in specific to Colorado and across the US, for example, our next one that's coming out is about the Trail of Tears. We work with an indigenous artist and writer to help create that. Um, and so we're, we create teaching guides for each of those issues. So you can download them and have them ready for plug and play. They're only two to four pages each. So the, blessed, the, the beauty in that is that it's really meant to be a conversation starter, a spark um, for folks to kind of use however they fit, even uh, however they feel that would be the best fit, even if at home, I know a lot of distance learning is happening now. So if parents are looking for resources, those are all ready to go. They're free to download on our website. Um, the same is true of our teaching guides. So we work with publishers all across um, the nation and the world to create um, common core line teaching guides that we um, align with graphic novels. So we have t- ra- titles that we've created teaching guides ranging from Watchmen, like the OG DC right. comic Watchmen, down to like new titles. So our, um, we're working with a, a publisher right now to create some uh, early reader um, teaching guides. So basically the full gamut. So those are all again, free to download. They have like discussion questions, project ideas, everything that you need to kind of put it in place wherever you're kind of trying to engage with students. Um, we uh, have two curricular units. We're always creating new kind of common core line curricular units. So one of them teaches kids how to create their own comics. One teaches them how to create their own board games all from scratch. The idea is to deconstruct what it is to build a board game or comic, then help students reconstruct it and build something that tells their own story. Um, and we, we kind of have it very open-ended. It's very like project-based, choice-based learning. So the idea is that they get the chance to take control over kind of their story and put it out there however they want or make it interactive however they want. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're always looking for ways to partner with new schools, uh, whether it's at home learning, uh, at home schools, whether it's in schools, um, we do virtual and in-person. So if you're listening from Colorado or Denver, we're here for you. If you're listening elsewhere uh, and you're teaching virtually right now, or you're looking for some virtual additions to your, to your school day um, or after school programming, hit us up and we are absolutely there to kind of help bring comics, games and other uh, pop culture tools. Like we even do ones around like costume design, you know, how to design your own costumes kind of intersecting there with theater arts. Um, and then if, I think there's probably more, but I think those are the top like four ways to kind of get involved. Um, really, you know, any connections, opportunities, questions you have for us, just let us know and we're here to help. Perfect. Oh, this has been fantastic. Well, we're going to transition to one of our final segments of the show. It's things to check out. It's a segment where I discuss uh, one thing I'm reading and one thing I'm listening to, and I ask my guests to provide recommendations as well. So, uh, or as I like to affectionately call it, who are you reading and who are you listening to? So, I'll go first. So what I'm currently listening to is uh, I'm a huge consumer of NPR podcasts, and uh, I'm currently uh, getting caught up on Code Switch. I highly recommend that podcast. So we talk about current topics, um, 
as well, but it's really a perspective to understand the world through from for me, it's perspectives that I'm not typically familiar with. So I like to to hear the news through the host's lens. And I've, their names escape me at the time, but I highly recommend it. Code Switch on NPR. Now, books, I've actually got uh, two book recommendations. One uh, that I'm rereading, and then one I thought of because of having Adam on the show for Pop Culture Classroom. So <laughs> first yes. book... Yeah, they're both former detox guests. So if you've listened to the show for a while, you you recognize the stuff already. But for those who are new, so rereading the book Felix Ever After by Casey Callender. Uh, Felix Ever After is an honest and layered story about identity, falling in love, and recognizing the love you deserve. So it is a fiction book. I highly recommend it. It's actually being made, developed into an Amazon Prime TV series. So talk, bringing back the pop culture aspect. Um, it is about a uh, transgender individual finding love. So and it's a YA book. So if you're interested in the series, whenever you're listening to this and you're interested about the book, definitely go check it out. Uh, last recommendation is former guest Jarrett... Uh, oh, Jared Krosaska, there we go, I remembered his last name, um, wrote his memoir in graphic novel form called Hey Kiddo. So it's a National Book Award finalist. It's fantastic. His life, which we've talked about in a previous episode, a more recent episode, um, went through a lot of different phases. So he lived with his grandparents. His mom uh, struggled with drugs. Um, and then, unfortunately, she passed away due to an overdose while he was writing the book. Um, so very sad, but he shares his perspective. And he's able to get the point across in graphic novel form and I think a lot easier way than it would have been just to purely write it out. And then he also, because of the nature of graphic novel, he provides pieces of his own art scanned in. So you get that real world connection as well. So I highly recommend both of those. So Adam, who are you reading and who are you listening to? So on the Jarrett uh, piece, I've met him. He's awesome. I Isn't really recommend great? that book. Oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, he actually won, we do actually, uh, what's called the excellence in graphic literature awards, which is a yearly award celebrating diverse and educational graphic novel titles. And he won, uh, I think two years ago when it was published and yeah. is highly, highly recommended book, oh. very, very dark at times, but yeah. something that I think is extremely powerful and evocative. So highly recommend. Yes. So for me, um, I am listening to radical. Uh, which is a New York Times podcast. And oh, it's yes. kind of about like the deep rabbit holes that people go down, like about like YouTube algorithms and such that kind of lead people into radicalization. So I think, you know, considering the events of especially mm -hmm. the last couple of months, you know, yep. reading about kind of how do people get radicalized, especially in Western culture where, yep. you know, it's through technology and through kind of social media. And so what are the ways that that happens? And the rabbit hole kind of dives a little bit more into that. So highly recommend that New York Times podcast. Um, I also have two books. Um, I'm reading right now, uh, The Only Good Indians uh, by Stephen Graham Jones. Uh, it came out in 2020. He is a professor at the University of Colorado Boulder. Um, uh, someone who I've met and is a really excellent, uh, genuinely just good supportive person who um, has actually worked with us on a bunch of projects before. But, this is like a horror dramatic narrative. Um, and it's about four American Indian men who basically kind of have this thing that happens to them early on in their lives. And then this entity is sort of tracking them down for revenge, but wow. um, it's like a horror novel, but it's really good. So I highly recommend that. Very nice. um, the graphic novel I'd recommend is another one of our excellence in graphic literature award winners. Um, it's called Crossover. Oh, nice. Like Alexander. Um, it's, it's a really great adaptation, um, I think, of his uh, young adult novel, if I remember correctly. And um, like, it's it's so interesting and unique. Um, it's it's in a very unique color palette, and the way that the sections are broken up. Like, for example, the first section is all in um, like like hip hop lyrics, mm, okay. um, and so and it's about basically. Um, I'll just read it so I don't get it wrong. Um, there's two uh, twins and they're identical twins and um, they want to go to college and play basketball professionally, but they're trying to kind of work through the, the world they live in and, and sort of the, you know, some of the barriers in front of them and overcome it. So it's kind of a basketball book, but really it's all about kind of like the culture they're coming from and how they're kind of trying to use basketball as a way to overcome some of those obstacles. So um, 
very good. I think this one is is for like that middle school reader group, but it's still something that any adult would pick up and really, really excited about. Perfect. So those are my two recs for the day. I love it. All right. Well, we are going to the final segment of the show is the dad joke of the week. It's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. But I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests, so it works out for me. But I do like to put my guest on the spot. Adam, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up today? I go with an oldie but a goodie. It's a two-parter. Okay. All right. So it's um, the first the first question is, is, did you hear about the circus fire? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, it was intense. <laughs> there it is. In so then you let intense. that then you let that slow and then you say, yeah, that was that joke's a slow burn. <laughs> and that's, the, that's the second part of the joke. So it depends uh, on how quickly it takes people to pick up on the intense. But right. It's a two-parter dad joke one. So <laughs> I love it. I love I, it. All right. Well, I've got a few. Adam, oh. How do you make holy water? I do not know. Tell me, Joe. Well, see, you just boil the hell out of it. You just <laughs> boil the hell. All right. Oh, what do you get when you cross a snowman with a vampire? I really want to guess the right answer, but I also don't know. Oh, well, it's frostbite. See, it's just uh, it's just frostbite. All right. All right. Last one. Uh, what do you call a lonely cheese? A lonely cheese? Mm, I don't know. Oh, well, it's just provolone. It's just provolone. All right, Adam. I like it. If you want, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, uh, follow us online. Uh, any any of our Facebook, Twitter accounts, Pop Culture Classroom. Uh, not very active on social media. Maybe to my own detriment or benefit. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, best way to get in touch is just reach out through our website or follow us on social media and stay tuned. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me, Joe. This is really fun. Really of great course. to chat with you and catch up. This has been fantastic. Uh, we do need a hashtag for this episode. I was going to use hashtag pop culture classroom. Does that work for you? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Perfect. Like I said, Adam, thank you so much. This has been a delight. I'm excited to be able to talk about this very important work. And I'm excited to have you back on the show again at some point just to catch up. This is absolutely great. It's been way too long, way too long. And uh, I'm excited to long. chat with you again. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Well, listeners, I'll be back next week with another great episode. But until then, hashtag pop culture classroom. And as always, I will hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. 